Welcome investors to the Absolute Return Podcast, your source for stock market analysis, global macro musings, and hedge fund investment strategies. Your hosts, Julian Klamotko and Michael Kesslering, aim to bring you the knowledge and analysis you need to become a more intelligent and wealthier investor. This episode is brought to you by Accelerate Financial Technologies. Accelerate, because performance matters. Find out more at accelerateshares.com. Welcome, podcast listeners, to the Absolute Return Podcast. I'm your host, Julian Klamachko. I'm joined by my co-host, Mike Kesslering. And on today's show, we welcome special guests, Nino Chapina, CEO, and AJ Roy, COO of Parts ID. Now, Parts ID is a technology-driven digital commerce company focused on creating custom infrastructure and unique user experiences within niche markets such as auto parts. It trades on the NYSE under the symbol ID. On the podcast, Nino and AJ discuss how they compete in e-commerce against giants such as Amazon and eBay, why their platform stands out for selling auto parts online, what is driving double-digit growth in U.S. automotive aftermarket e-commerce sales, lessons learned to pass on to other private companies considering going public via SPAC, and more. So with no further ado, here's our discussion with Nino and AJ of Parts ID. Well, welcome Nino and Ajay of Parts ID onto the Absolute Return podcast. Happy to have you on the show today talking cars, car parts. I was cruising the Cars ID website and man, does it make me want to buy some parts for my vehicle. Uh, pretty cool layout and just, I don't know how many parts you have on there. It must be, I don't know, tens of thousands or perhaps hundreds of thousands. I don't even know, but why don't we start things off with you walking us through Parts ID's history how the business developed. I know you started out with the initial focus on automobiles and now you're expanding into different verticals and also what your platform exactly provides to customers in terms of value add. Hey, Julian, Michael, thank you for having us. You know, uh, I'm the, the CEO at Parks ID. Uh, so really happy to be here and I'll, I'll kind of kick with um, some answers. We specialize in really helping customers find the right part as quickly as possible and then getting that part to them as quickly as possible. Most recently, at the end of 2020, we completed um, our business combination with a SPAC, uh, which uh, made us a public company. So today we're traded on the New York, um, uh, New York American Exchange uh, under the symbol ID. Right. Um, that's kind of a, a little bit about us and our background. We're based here in New Jersey. Uh, we've got uh, members of management and others here. And then we've got uh, offices and other operations across the globe, including parts of Europe, Costa Rica, uh, and other regions as well. So does that help? Is that enough or a little more? Could you explain yeah, think- the, the website and, and the service that you guys offer exactly, you know, why customers should use it? Yeah, absolutely. So we have been striving to become a, a one-stop shop for car parts and accessories. What really makes us different is uh, the combination of a few things. First, we've got a very uh, proprietary purpose-built digital commerce platform specifically made from the ground up for this complex category, which is car parts and accessories, to really overcome the, the fitment challenge in our industry. And for your listeners who don't know what fitment is, it's basically the compatibility of you know millions of parts in the marketplace to each specific year make model vehicle. So it's much more complex than shopping for, say, sneakers, which are just, you know, size and color. Um, the, the second thing that really is different about our platform is, you know, the, the rich amount of data that really powers the platform. So 
you know, uh, 14 billion plus data points, 17 million plus SKUs across the platform, over 5,500 brands. So lots of product attributes, lots of other components that are all really synthesized together to enrich the customer shopping experience. And we, we marry all that rich product data with uh, custom-built content, images, high, you know, high-quality images, videos, guides, articles, and really so much more to deliver you know, what we believe is the most superior shopping experience in, for car parts and accessories on the web. Uh, and then the, the, the last thing I'll point out, I'm sure AJ will, will want to add some, is you know, what's unique about it is and what enables us to offer the consumer 17 million plus views, 5,500 brands, is our you know, just-in-time, capital-efficient inventory model. Mm-hmm. So in, 20, in 2020, for example, we did about $400 million in net revenue with, with less than $5 million of actual inventory on hand. And that's really the beauty of the model, which helps us really strive to become this one-stop shop for, uh, for all your car parts and accessories needs. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, the only thing that I would add, guys, is um, I, if I compare our platform with uh, our competition uh, or, let's say, an Amazon uh, the way we look at ourselves is we consider ourselves as a discovery platform. There's a lot of, other than having such a uh, exhaustive list of SKU, what we also invest heavily in is the customer experience. So right. we invest a lot in installation videos. We inst- uh, invest in 3D images, uh, et cetera, which really helps build confidence for a customer that they can actually buy that part, um, buy that part or an accessory from our platform, walk away, and it would absolutely fit um, their their vehicle, right? And that a lot of that comes through our investment into the technology, which uh, Nino was talking about earlier, which is around fitment, uh, which makes sure that whatever you're buying from our platform is really, uh, um, is gonna work for you, right? And, and I think the testament of that is that our return rate is less than 5%, whereas the, in the industry, the return rate is around 20% on an average, right? So. So that I think that's that's the clear differentiator for us. Our customers are really coming to our platform sometimes to just buy a part, but also they learn so much more about their vehicle just by browsing through our website, uh, rather than being a transactional website where you just add a pro, uh, add a part, get in, get out, uh, check out, and you you're, you're just out, right? I think that 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 is that is the the few things that those are the few things that I would like to add from my side. And it seems that. Parts ID is largely a digital marketing and operations exercise, which isn't surprising given, you know, your career specialized in digital marketing at companies such as Foot Locker and Kenneth Cole and AJ years is in operations. You're previously at Wayfair. So I was just wondering, you know, how has your career experience specifically assisted you in your CEO and COO roles uh, at Parts ID and as the company grows? Hey, great question, Julian. Your your observations about my background are spot on. I mean, I came up through marketing, digital marketing specifically, uh, and I think it's been a valuable career path, especially you know, to prepare someone for the present day CEO, I would say. And the, the real reason there is, you know, almost everything a company does is marketing, I feel. You know, right. You know, trust is a function of brand messaging, lining up with the consumer's actual interaction with the product and service. Every almost everything a company does has an interaction with the customer, and marketers are inherently trained from the very beginning to put the customer first, right? Through surveys, research, customer segmentation, solving customer problems, 
um, aligning the, the customer experiences across the website, social media, email, contact center, all these things to some degree always touch marketing or the marketing department. Um, so it's a lot, you know, I think marketing is a great role preparing someone for a leadership role like the CEO job. Yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, from my perspective, working at Wayfair and other e-commerce players, I think one of the things that I would say, which is my key learning, which I've been able to extend here is, uh, is really the ability to scale the business and take a very scrappy approach to, towards problem solving. I think uh, you will only be able to scale the business if you are scrappy, if you're going to actually look for the ultimate solution, then it's probably, you're going to probably, probably going to miss the boat, right? So I think when I was at Wayfair, I was running the small and large parts of the business and really uh, focused on end-to-end from sourcing products from the suppliers all the way to delivering it to the end customers, right? And uh, one of my key learnings was to really make sure how, from a people process and technology perspective, to set up the right organization, uh, which can be set up for success. And now, a word from our sponsor, Accelerate, one of Canada's most innovative and fastest-growing alternative investment solution providers, with a suite of institutional-caliber alternative ETFs for investors seeking diversification and long-term performance. The Accelerate Arbitrage Fund, symbol ARB on the TSX, is the world's first SPAC-focused ETF, with a diversified portfolio of SPAC and merger arbitrage opportunities in an easy-to-use, low-cost ETF. The Accelerate Arbitrage Fund ETF trades under the symbol ARB on the Toronto Stock Exchange. Find out more at accelerateshares.com. And and when you talk about setting the organization up for success, I mean, the U.S. auto aftermarket is massive um, at over $400 billion. But as well, e-commerce is, I mean, ultra competitive. And so how do you compete with some of the e-commerce giants such as Amazon or even some of the other specialty auto parts firms online? Yeah, great question. I think that I, I kind of tried, tried to address that question earlier when I was talking about our platform as more of a discovery platform. So when I look at our competition, like Amazon or any of our other competitors, I think um, other than investing into just content, I think what we while we are an e-commerce players, but we have also... Uh, invested heavily into an army of subject matter experts who are actually with you throughout the customer buying journey. So let's say you are buying a seat cover online, right? And you have a question, you you have a question on our platform and you want to understand whether it's going to fit the front seat or the back seat, or is there anything else that I need along with it? You can pick up the phone and uh, you will be able to actually talk to a human being who's, who's a subject matter expert in that category and is going to help you throughout your buying journey, right? We don't want to just uh, attract a customer, have them buy a product and forget about it. We want to make sure that we nurture the customer buying journey. And this is something that differentiates us from a lot of the other players in the same space, right? Most of the time, you you typically talk to a chatbot uh, on other platforms. The, so this is an enhanced experience that we actually offer to our customers. And also, I think, which Nino talks, spoke about earlier, having an extensive catalog. So if you look at just the automotive space, we have close to 95% product coverage. When I say 95% product coverage, the parts and accessories available out there, you will find 95% of them on our platform. And our capital efficient model is something that actually helps us provide a wide offering to our customer. And, and, and I think that is one of the key reasons why we also want to be the one-stop shop and we are investing into various other areas like DIFM, 
One of the things that we recently invested in was uh, a tire installation network, which will actually streamline your whole tire buying journey. We just have to select a tire on our platform, a wheel on our platform. You can select an installer location, which is in the close proximity. Uh, drop off your car there in the morning and pick it up in the evening, and you'll have your new tires and wheels uh, on it, uh, installed on your on your uh, on your car. Yeah, it sounds like the specialization just on auto parts would really resonate with customers. Like one thing that I noticed going on eBay or Amazon for auto parts is that there just seems to be so much junk on there. And it's more of like an SEO type practice where you're not even sure if that specific part will fit your make and model. So you're kind of digging through the details. Is this going to work or is it a big risk buying this and then it won't fit? So certainly that makes sense. Now from a investor perspective, I was wondering if we could touch on sort of the macro thesis uh, parts ID is really the confluence of two major themes. One is the growth in U.S. automotive aftermarket sales and also e-commerce. In the investor presentation that you guys posted uh, within the last month, I believe, uh, you forecast double-digit market growth in U.S. automotive aftermarket e-commerce sales. Can you explain what's driving this growth? Like, Did the pandemic accelerate this, and is this a kind of long-term growth assumption, you figure that, you know, auto parts are a pretty mature space and you don't tend to see double-digit growth rates in the mature spaces. Is this more of offline going online or is this the entire industry growing? Hey, Julian, I'll take that one. So great question. I really like when this question comes up. So you, you hit on one. I mean, overall, not just within the car parts and accessories industry, but across the board, so there's accelerated e-commerce adoption. Part of that is from the pandemic, people being home. Part of that is just adoption that was occurring, which has now just been accelerated by you know, people people home. So that is certainly one kind of lifting thing. The other that has really prohibited at least the car parts and accessories industry from, from uh, prior growth online was you know, two things. First, fitment. So again, going back to kind of you know one of the overall missions of the company was solving the complexity of shopping this category. We've, we've solved that, we believe, better than anyone by marrying rich product data with purpose-built technology for this complex category. So you know, mitigate or reducing the friction in this category as much as possible. What, and we've done that. So I think there's still a lot of work to do, and we're, we're making a lot of um, progress, continuing to enhance that customer experience. But fitment certainly is what prohibited the online adoption, at least in our, in our space. And I saw some data from eMarketer, which recently published something showing that, for example, you know, online, for online, the percentage of furniture being purchased online is something about like 30 or 31%. And then the percentage of overall uh, car parts and accessories, which are being purchased online, are about 5%. So a lot of slow adoption in the past, which just means more opportunity to grow in the coming years, especially as, as we continue to solve this bigger fitment ch- challenge. The second thing that I think has slowed the adoption of car parts and accessories is the do-it-for-me consumer segment, or rather in the industry referred to as DIFM. Right. So if you think about it, whether you're purchasing tires or you've got something else, a lot of car parts and accessories require service. And that is sl- that has historically slowed the adoption of online. But we've got a number of initiatives that we are looking to kind of reconnect this broken digital to offline experience in the industry. One of which I believe AJ touched on briefly in his earlier remarks is this tire installation program we recently we launched about a year ago. 
where a consumer can now visit CarID.com, shop you know, thousands of different tires, purchase tires, and in the same uh, shopping experience, find a local inst installer near them, have the schedule an appointment with that local installer, and then we ship the tires directly to that local installer. Those sort of things will continue to kind of help uh, accelerate e-commerce adoption in our business. And we, we see tires as really just the first product category uh, conducive to that, to connecting that broken online to offline experience that exists in our industry today. So th those things are all driving, will we'll drive growth from a macro level, from, from a car ID, from a parse ID specific of performance products. And then even our new verticals, which include motorcycle ID, boat ID, camper ID. These are new verticals we launched in mid-2018, and we're seeing you know, very strong growth. As I reported on Monday, you know, your motorcycle, boating, camper, uh, all of these grew 80% versus the same period last year. So there's really good, strong momentum in our core business, and then these new verticals are also accelerating as well. And now a word from our sponsor, Accelerate, one of Canada's most innovative and fastest growing alternative investment solution providers with a suite of institutional caliber alternative ETFs for investors seeking diversification and long-term performance. The Accelerate One Choice Alternative Portfolio ETF, symbol 1C, ONEC on the TSX is Canada's first alternatives portfolio solution, providing exposure to six alternative asset classes, 10 alternative strategies in one easy to use, one choice ETF that charges a management fee of just 0.2%. The Accelerate One Choice Alternative Portfolio ETF trades under the symbol 1C ONEC on the Toronto Stock Exchange. Find out more at accelerateshares.com. Yeah, that's very interesting. I mean, taking your current core platform and moving it to different verticals is something that makes a ton of sense. In terms of something else that you mentioned as well earlier, was that capital efficiency is is a pretty big part of your business model. Can you explain a little bit more into how your negative working capital cycle and inventory efficiency how that results in some some of your growth as well. Yes, absolutely. So because we sell direct to consumers, we collect payment you know, essentially instantaneously when the order is taken. So that gives us plenty of cash that we're taking in. And then based on the arrangements we have with our vendor community, which today is over 1,000 different vendors, you know, we've got terms. Some terms are as short as 15 days. Other terms are as high as 30 or 45 days. So that's the negative working capital there. And because we're not holding significant inventory, that capital that we're holding allows us to really invest in initiatives and new resources to really continue fueling the business. And with respect to the parts ID platform, you mentioned expanding into new verticals, boat ID, motorcycle ID, camper ID. It appears like the infrastructure that you've built is very conducive to expanding it. Now, I was wondering, are we going to see a spaceship ID soon? Is that, is, is that in the future plans? Maybe. We'll, we'll take that away. But so <laughs> I, think, you know, I, I really believe that the technology platform we've developed over the last 10 plus years is superior in so many ways. I mean, you're, you're not going to, you know, somebody who wants to compete in digital commerce, you know, or, in, or rather in the car parts and accessories business, they just they they they're just not going to be able to go out and license something like Shopify, or or Big Commerce or WooCommerce and build the same sort of experience that we've 
you know, purpose built in-house over the last 10 plus years. And you know, your comment about the fact that we've been able to take this platform, which we built for car ID, and then utilize you know, 90 plus percent of it for these other new verticals. I mean, that's a great uh, observation by you. And it's something that we discuss a lot internally, how exciting that, get, that makes us is when we launched these new verticals back in 2018, you know, one of the things we validated by doing that is really you know, how fungible the technology platform really is. And the reason that gets us excited is you know, we can take this platform now and you know, as we start thinking about, among other initiatives, international expansion is, can we take this platform now, you know, make some, some smaller modifications to it, such as payment and maybe translation services, and then deploy a platform in, say, Canada or any other market? Right. And our ability to do that is, is, is very high, just given the fact that we've, we've already demonstrated we can do that with motorcycle ID, boat ID, and all the other ones. Yeah, it seems to be some interesting new verticals that you guys are branching out into and having this service, as you indicated, to fix the uh, online to offline activity. Because obviously with auto parts, and you're hearing this from what I consider the world's worst handyman myself, I can barely install a headlight. And if I can, that's a huge win for me. But if you guys can solve that, then I'm sure that would be fairly conducive to sales. Now, one other aspect of Parts ID I did want to touch on is you guys are now up and trading as a public company, symbol ID. You went public in late 2020 through a merger with SPAC Legacy Acquisition Corp. I was wondering, how was that experience? What were some positives and negatives from going private to public and through the SPAC process? It was an intense process. It was a very intense process. You know, we were the target, so the SPAC essentially acquired us. So there's a lot of work on both ends, as I'm sure you guys know, members of your audience know, but de-SPACing in general is, is intense. I mean, on our side, you know, we had to quickly prepare to be a public company, right? There's, there's a lot of things that go into that. While, while preparing for all that, we have to do our diligence on the SPAC. There is a number of SEC filings and requirements that have to get done in a short period of time. All the while, we have to continue to kind of successfully run the day-to-day business a lot. Uh, AJ, am I, am I forgetting anything? But I just remember it yeah, being no, you know, no, no, the process. No, no, absolutely. And I think definitely this has been a quite intense process. Uh, uh, but I think there are a lot of positives that came out of it, right? So I think we're very, we are very excited about Legacy Acquisition Corp. Um, we have the executives there who actually are uh, specialized uh, in branding, marketing, and various other areas, uh, right? Finance, et cetera. So I think we are very excited about that partnership and really using them as our resources uh, to uh, to actually scale the business even more, right? So I think that's, I, I, I would say from, <laughs> other than the fact that uh, the, the members of uh, the leadership team spending sleepless nights, I think <laughs> there have been only positives from this. Uh, and we really, really look forward to actually growing the business uh, multiple folds in the coming year uh, through, uh, through this process. Yeah, it's certainly a very intense process and basically like a whole other full-time job for you guys with respect to you know the, the virtual road shows, uh, the media appearances, yeah. the podcasts, and all yeah. that stuff okay. to really just educate the market on what you guys are all about. So you guys uh, do the going public transaction. I was wondering what exactly were, were you looking to accomplish when going public? Why did you pursue a public listing? Yeah, uh, great question. So uh, it's typically one core reason, right, is you want to be in a position uh, especially an organization like ours, which is growing as fast as we are, we want to be in a position to raise capital 
as quickly as possible if and when opportunities arise or just to have some cash on our balance sheet to, you know, to, to be a little opportunistic if opportunities come around that we can take advantage of. So as a public company, you know, the ability to raise money, they're significantly more available to you than as a private company. So that, that to me is probably the, the biggest goal that we achieve or that you achieve or have available to you as a public company now. You know, the profile also goes up. Uh, and it doesn't hurt when it go, when it comes to recruiting. You know, as a public company, you know, candidates. You know, there's another degree of trust that exists. Uh, the candidates themselves can research the company and better understand you. It, it, it certainly facilitates recruiting more than a more than operating as a private company. And you guys bear the scars and the blood, sweat, and tears of going through that uh, <laughs> public SPAC merger. And I'm sure there are a lot of lessons learned. And if you were to do it all over again, save yourselves some time. So I was wondering, any of these lessons learned that you want to pass on to other potential private companies, entrepreneurs thinking about taking their public or their company public via a blank check company? A few things come to mind. Do your diligence. You know, the, the SPAC or the buyer they're going to do their diligence, but I would argue is just as important for the operating company to do, to do their diligence on the SPAC and the members of the SPAC. Make sure everyone's goals are aligned uh, in advance of you know, getting too far down the path. You certainly don't want to you know, find out post-business combination that somebody's vision is very different than kind of where management um, believes we should be going. Uh, second that comes to mind is uh, don't lose sight of the day-to-day operations during the uh, d- during the business combination process. There is a still, even though that eats up the majority of the week, you know, all the requirements and meetings and roadshows and all the conversations. The truth of the matter is, there's still a company to operate and run, and don't lose sight of that. And then, you know, one of the things that we did is prior to you know combining with this bag, is you know, we were evaluating a number of other opportunities, uh, Julian and Michael. I mean, as far back as uh, mid-2019, the company was examining you know, additional private equity or do we, we consider a traditional IPO in the future? So, so I would encourage your audience or anyone else listening to, you know, don't rule out the traditional IPO. Don't rule out uh, raising other private, uh, private equity, but certainly consider a SPAC. And you know, the SPACs have a lot, of, a lot of great benefits, I would argue, one of which is there's strong demand right now, right? There are a lot of SPACs. Mm-hmm. The SPAC vehicle became very popular in 2020. There's still a lot of popularity. So there's opportunities because of that popularity. Right. Um, I think the other thing that is attractive to, with a SPAC is the timeline to complete a deal is condensed. So if, if there's a desire or a mandate to get something like this accomplished by your team or by your listeners, um, a SPAC certainly offers you some flexibility to kind of move move a little more quickly than a traditional IPO. Um, it also allows you to negotiate valuation privately, right? right. So that, that's an important feature depending on what your overall objectives are, but it's certainly uh, a nice added benefit compared to a traditional IPO. Yeah. I think the only thing I would actually add is um, I think the benefit of SPAC is also uh, because, as Nino said, you discuss things privately in terms of overall valuation but also you're choosing the partner uh, that you're going to actually work with, right? So from a skill set perspective, you can actually find complementary skill sets or areas where you actually need help, right? I, so I think that's that's also one of the very uh, one of the great things about SPAC, uh, which I think all the audience who's listening to is should definitely consider in terms of who you're going to actually go public with, right? Who are you merging with to actually go public? 
And you guys closed the merger with Legacy Acquisition back in November. So got a good six to seven months of public company experience under your belt, just released Q1 results. So from an investor perspective, what value proposition do you bring and why should investors consider taking a look at ID stock? Let me let me tackle that one first, Julian. And AJ, if you've got anything to add, by all means. Um, uh, first, as you referenced, our, our first quarter results, I mean, we're, we're growing rapidly. I mean, we grew 54%. Net revenue increased 54% to the first quarter of last year. So there's definitely growth there. And investors, hopefully, all, all love growth. Maybe some don't. But we're also profitable. Um, you know, many, many companies and many of the companies we get compared to are not profitable. So there's, there's certainly value, I would say, um, from a growth and just overall profitability perspective. But beyond the financials, I would argue probably a handful of things. You know, we have a complete, very credible, very clear business model, and it's working, right? We're not, you know, we're not a new company. We've been around for 10 plus years. Our business model works, and we've, we've validated that and, and proved that. We've got a strong leadership team, in my opinion. You know, you, we talked a little, little bit about my background and AJ's background at the beginning of the call. Our CFO's got, you know, 35 plus years experience. He's been with the organization five years. And our head of vendor relations, he's been with the organization for over 10 years. But he's a 40-year industry veteran of the car parts and accessories business. So we've got a strong management team with a good mix. We've got good chemistry uh, and a decent level, decent level of experience in this sector. Uh, second, from a value pro- or third, I should say, from a value proposition perspective, is it's a big market. You know, as you quoted earlier, Julian, you know the the car parts and accessories industry in whole is about 400 billion domestically. Uh, so the potential for our growth—I mean, we only did 400 million in net revenue last year. Uh, so there is a lot of growth, and given the rate at which we're growing, you know, there is a lot. There's a lot for us to still capture. Um, I, I, I don't know. I'm, those are the first ones that come to mind, AJ, if you've got anything else. Yeah, no, I think um, one of the things that is a value proposition for the shareholders or anybody who wants to invest in the company is I would actually say, argue is our opportunity, uh, the opportunity that lies in front of us, right? So we spoke at length today in terms of uh, the fungibility of our technology platform. So while the, the total addressable market on the automotive side is huge, the fact that we can actually utilize our underlying technology and get into newer areas, which we have already demonstrated in the newer verticals where we have invested and we have seen stellar growth, um, like Nino said, 80% above, that really uh, shows the opportunity that lies ahead for Parts ID. Uh, and I think that is one thing which is key, right? We, we are not limited to one specific focus area, right? From a, uh, from a strategy perspective, we have multiple levels that we can actually pull and multiple areas from where we can actually lift the revenue in the coming years, right? So that also is very promising for me. Even if I was not an executive and I was looking at a company from outside, I think I would actually always look at the company and say, what is their ability to grow? And are they going to be just focused on uh, one specific area or they have the ability to actually expand? And our... our, um, uh, technology footprint and uh, our investment in technology really gives us the ability to scale beyond where we are today. To the extent that customers want to check out your offering, carid.com. And for investors, you have partsidinc.com. You can check out the Q1 results and the latest investor presentation. Nino, AJ, 
want to thank you for coming on the Absolute Return podcast today, sharing your insights regarding the industry and also the micro case for parts ID stock. So thank you very much. Wish you guys the best of luck and take care. Thank you so thank much. You so much, guys. All thank right. you so much, guys. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Absolute Return Podcast. This episode was brought to you by Accelerate Financial Technologies. Accelerate, because performance matters. Find out more at accelerateshares.com. The views expressed in this podcast are the personal views of the participants and do not reflect the views of Accelerate. No aspect of this podcast constitutes investment, legal, or tax advice. Opinions expressed in this podcast should not be viewed as a recommendation or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any securities or investment strategies. The information and opinions in this podcast are based on current market conditions and may fluctuate and change in the future. No representation or warranty, expressed or implied, is made on behalf of Accelerate. As to the accuracy or completeness of the information contained in this podcast. Accelerate does not accept any liability for any direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage suffered by any person as a result of relying on all or any part of this podcast, and any liability is expressly disclaimed.